BSD Talk number 140. It's Tuesday, February 5th, 2008. I just have an interview for you today, so here it is. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Christops, and I won't try and pronounce your last name, so why don't I have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. Thanks for having me on the show, Will. And as mentioned, my name is Christops. I work right now at KTH, which is the Swedish Royal Institute of Technology previously at the Latvian University and now here for a time. What happens in the future here, I'm not quite sure. That'll be determined soon. And I suppose that the reason for this particular interview is a research project coming out of here, Kodeho and also the University of Latvia, called MOLT, which is a fairly not glamorous name, as the website now indicates, which is, uh, as we'll talk about today, a multiplicity system for the BSD operating system. So let's start by discussing what multiplicity is and how it relates to other similar technologies. Well, that's uh, kind of an interesting question and hard to answer, so I'll I'll do my best. There are lots of different applications of the term multiplicity and targets for it, but in this particular regard, what I'm talking about is the multiplicity of operating instances, an operating instance being your environment within the machine, your representation on the computer, so I guess the the software approximation of yourself, all of your open processes, files, network connections, all the stuff in the machine is your operating instance. Uh, Another kind of a multiplicity which people might be more familiar with is operating system multiplicity, which we get with products like Xen and Kimu and so on and so forth that allow you to have entire kernels, entire operating systems running within the same machine. But we don't do that. This is specifically operating instance multiplicity, which is also provided, I think, right now by FreeBSD jails to a limited extent. And uh, plenty of Linux products like vServer and OpenVZ do a, a fairly passable implementation. I think the best one right now being on OpenSolaris zones and containers. Unlike something like VMware, you're not emulating the entire machine hardware. You're only providing multiple user lands. Yes, that's exactly the point. Essentially, the, what it came down to, one of the reasons for this project, which will, uh, will be apparent why we chose operating instance multiplicity, was for things like cluster computing. And I suppose that also you know, curtails into um, uh, virtual hosting, where you want many, many, many contained, fast environments on one machine that don't see one another, that all do their thing, they run very quickly, they can be started, packaged up, and thrown away very, very quickly. The operating system virtualizers and multiplicity systems like Xen and uh, vKernel, I think, which is coming up on Dragonfly BSD, are uh, far more heavyweight, and they actually run entire kernels within their structures. Essentially, I don't think that that was needed for a lot of usages that it's currently used for, which is just running the same exact thing as the host system. Uh, all it really needs is a POSIX environment. So uh, the intention of Molt is to write a system that has uh, potentially many thousands of operating instances running simultaneously, that can be configured very, very finely and not conflict with one another. And so how is this different from FreeBSD jails? Um, That's a good question. It's it's better in every way, Uh, the the, uh, knee-jerk response. But basically what it comes down to is that FreeBSD jail is actually very true to the name of jail 
it takes a process, a set of processes, and it jails them. It doesn't let them interact with other people. Uh, the outside environment can see into the jail, but the jail cannot see the outside environment. So I guess that would make it somewhat of a, what's the term, panopticon. But the instances that I'm talking about are fully contained from one another. So, for example, when you're inside of a jail, you're not really guaranteed that your resources that you're using there are fully isolated. It's kind of done functionally at the border of the kernel. Uh, Molt, all of the resources that are inside of instances are individually collected into structures. So we call it logical isolation. When you run a FreeBSD jail, the protection mechanism is something that's done at execution time. With us, inside of the kernel, we've rewritten large parts of the kernel so that the actual structures like process tables, uh, network interfaces, that's kind of to-do, amount lists, uh, system VIPC, and so on and so forth, is not global to the entire kernel, but collected into physical structures. So you really, there's no opportunity to break, so to speak, uh, out of your instance and into another one. It's just logically guaranteed not to happen. It's an invariant. With something like FreeBSD jail, you kind of hope that's the case, but that's not always so. Now, there are lots of other very small, kind of nice things that are, that are uh, in, in my opinion, better about MOLT than FreeBSD jail. For example, you can actually start a full init tree inside of MOLT and have many thousands of these, versus in jail, uh, you're not allowed to do that. In fact, because jail has the same process table internally in the kernel, you cannot have the same process ID across jails. With MOLT, you can. So just to be clear, when you do a PS on a MOLT system, you'll see multiple inits? Uh, no, all you see is your own processes, because PS is just another user land utility. Uh, it hooks into the kernel just like anybody else. The kernel itself has been gathered into uh, multiple structures, so that when you, run your PS, when you run PS, all you see is your own structures. But there are others out there, you just can't see them, you can't access them. We have special tools, uh, one of them being InstPS, that allows you to kind of peer into other instances, but you can't really manipulate them. What operating system are you building off of in the creation of the MOLT project? Well, initially we decided on NetBSD 3.1, which at the time was the, was the stable NetBSD. This was, uh, I think, in October, roughly, when, uh, when development really began on this and really took off. It was kind of a showdown, actually, initially, because obviously it was a very important question about what kernel to start with. And the obvious choices being uh, Linux, FreeBSD, NetBSD, and OpenBSD. Uh, Linux was the first one I threw out just because it's, it's the most complicated and it would take the largest amount of time to get into. And uh, also, it just changes all the time. And I'm not a big fan of the quality of the code. The good thing, obviously, about Linux is that it has the most driver support. So in terms of something like supercomputing, it would be very, very applicable. Plus, it already has a very large install base. But I reasoned that it would just take too much time to get into it. FreeBSD also met somewhat of a similar fate. Uh, it's very fast, and it's a very good operating system, but unfortunately, it's a little bit too volatile. I'm really not sure which versions are stable, which ones aren't, and it's also big and complicated. Uh, that led me with OpenBSD and NetBSD, and frankly, I just took the faster of the two. Both of them have very good documentation and kernel. Both of them are well-developed and clean, and I just wanted the one that would allow me to get into it fastest to write what would initially be a prototype and to have things working, and I chose NetBSD. Uh, in retrospect, maybe I should have jumped into NetBSD head, into NetBSD 3.1, but it seemed like the easiest thing to start with. In the near, I would say, midterm future, I'm going to consider porting it, the system, probably to the newest NetBSD, so that it's current with a current operating system. 
and there's nothing obviously stopping it from being ported to things like OpenBSD and FreeBSD, but it, it would be quite a challenge. It can't be easily ported with diffs. It has to be manually. All the kernel structures have to be gone over. It's pretty tedious. So what is the general process of starting to play with Molt? Well, uh, now it's a lot easier, actually. There are both uh, bootstrappers for the kernel and full-out installers that do all of this for you, but the general process is to download NetBSD 3.1, install it so that it works, and then download a bootstrapper, which contains the installer in it, from the Molt website, molt.bsd.lv, uh, and run it. And it will download the sources for you for the kernel, of course, first, compile those sources, install them, reboot into the kernel, and then compile the user land tools, uh, a prerequisite of that is libc, because we've added some system calls, and, uh, and it's all there, and there to play with. In fact, right now, we're really looking for people just to kind of use the system, uh, not necessarily in the context of multiplicity, but in the context of a standard NetBSD installation to flush out any sort of errors that could have risen, arisen in what we call appropriating things into instances or instance-ifying them. So uh, yeah, and installing it, it's, I think, fairly well documented on the website how to do it. There's a small install guide, but there's basically just two commands. There's really nothing special about them that go out get all the sources compiled and installed for you. Uh, it could also be distributed as a patch, but um, this just seemed to be easier for me, considering that I keep a fully forked uh, NetBSD kernel entry and doing all the diffing and patching, and so this is something that I'll do only when I really have to. We have full user lands, but we still only have one physical machine. What does that mean for sharing resources like network cards or the screen? Oh, that's actually a very good question. And that, that plays into the timeline a little bit of Molt. The original, or I guess the things that are being done right now that will be done, I think, fairly soon, first start with appropriation of in-kernel resources. So things like process tables, uh, as mentioned, system by system five, IPC, K events, K notes, pipes, files, file descriptors, all that stuff needs to be appropriated. Most of it's done, actually. Following that, I'm going to be tackling the kind of, I guess you could say, soft hardware, you know, uh, pseudo devices, things like PTYs, K-Log, K-MAM, and so on and so forth that are devices, but they only exist in a kernel. They're fully software. Finally, I have to start thinking about how to take hardware devices and appropriate them. Uh, right now, it's a little bit, I guess, still in the design phase. That's going to come in several months probably. But what I'd like to do, ideally, what sounds most logical to me is a two-phase step to this. One would be something like um, the Linux uh, UDEV, which allows you to very coherently name devices so that the administrator knows what is connected to the system. The next would be to allow the administrator or administrators to uh, manage which instances get which devices by means of an access module. And then at that point in time, I'd have to write a sort of DevFS so that when an instance begins, it mounts a DevFS that is able to switch on which devices are allowed to that instance and which aren't. So that would, in effect, have each instance having its own everything, from physical devices to internal soft resources. I call these soft resources for the kernel, uh, software resources, and hard resources for physical devices. The difficult parts of this are primarily network and terminal. So it's funny you should mention those two. Hard disks are fairly easy. In fact, right now, an administrator can say, you have these major and minor nodes, you don't. But with something like a network, it requires uh, a lot more delicacy. There was some work that was done previously for FreeBSD by Dave Marcosetz, 
that I believe you interviewed him, or Michael Dexter did a few months ago, where he did the same exact process for the network stack in FreeBSD, effectively bringing the entire stack into, I, mean, I guess, instance-ish sort of things. I will probably be doing the same and effectively allowing us to have the same thing, to have the entire network appropriated into instances themselves. The terminal is somewhat similar, and I've really not decided fully how to do this because it gets tricky. But essentially what it comes down to is I would like to have the possibility of a single machine having multiple pairs of KVM, having those plug in, having the administrator route this monitor, this keyboard, this mouse goes to that instance and this one to that one, so that two, two people can use a completely separate environments connected to the same terminal, to the same computer. I think that would be a pretty fancy hack. So what's the current method for interacting with the different instances that you've launched on a machine? Well, right now, the instances don't have terminals, so they're, they're basically headless instances. Uh, in other words, I've rewritten init to not launch Getty and to not try to appropriate uh, virtual terminals. So when one uses inscatol to start an instance, uh, it basically starts with absolutely no terminal, and it's up to the etcrc to, uh, to fill in the remainder of the details. You can launch a NetBSD user land without any problems whatsoever, so long as that instant command is copied in instead of init. Uh, and again, the only difference between an instance that's running, you know, not the not default instance, which starts up like any other computer, but uh, guest instances, I guess we could call them, is that they don't have a terminal. So they start up as if you were to start up something in 3BSD jail. They just exist in the background somewhere else. So what kind of testing are you looking for people to do? Simple usage is fine by me. Things like you know, starting up thousands and thousands of instances, which uh, should, and actually I've tested it with something over 100,000, uh, should be possible. But that's something I can do very easily. But like normal day-to-day testing, especially with something like X, uh, it's not something that you know, I'm really doing all that much. In general, the actual malt code is written within malt. So a lot of those sort of errors I've been able to pick out. But you know, th- there are many things that I just won't notice in using. And most of that's related to, some, you know, let's say one has an X terminal open, one is SSHing into something else and, and something else and something else, and accounting managed, and something goes wrong. And that's the sort of thing that I would want to know about. Now, we do inherit all the bugs in NetBS 3.3.1, but uh, there seem to be an enormous amount of massive outstanding bugs. But uh, in terms of the actual instance testing, uh, most of that's not really ready to do on force, or what is ready to do I'm doing right now. I think in the next month, probably by the end of this month, I'll be ready to have a development release that's really geared toward starting lots and lots and lots and lots of instances and watching what happens, you know, connecting to them and doing all sorts of crazy things. So really uh, strenuous testing, I think, will be ready pretty much by the end of the month. One thing NetBSD is known for is its portability. Is this Molt project platform independent or is it tied to a particular architecture? It's, at this point, done completely platform independent. Uh, we only have touched, really, the top half of the kernel. So all of the, the nice uh, NetBSD goo that's at the bottom half that makes it easy to port, uh, I don't really see. It's all there in the bottom half. There are some things that have had to touch here and there in mockup, but for the most part, hitherto, Molt has been entirely a top half of the kernel process. So in theory, it should run on, uh, on any architecture without any issues. However, that being said, I have not written the uh, malt kernel config file for, uh, for all of these, and the difference is very subtle. So 
realistically speaking, somebody could probably very easily just take them all, download it on their Sparks or Alphas or whatever, you know, copy over a kernel config file and do it and test it. And actually, that would be very nice. It'll probably flush out all sorts of interesting bugs. So I guess uh, in terms of testing things like 64-bit and big Indian systems would be very, very useful because I'm just using a standard 32-bit x86. But to answer your question succinctly, uh, Molt is not tied to any architecture in particular. And uh, in fact, I would love to have more people test other architectures, which would make me not have to bust out GX Emul <laughs> and run things very slowly in that, which is will, pro- will probably happen eventually just to flush out any interesting sort of, as I mentioned, endianness bugs and that sort of thing that I've left in the kernel. Does Molt benefit from any of the virtualization technology that's now being built into some of the newer processors? No. Uh, most of these, for, for example, things that uh, Zen takes advantage of, I can't really remember the exact name of the processor extension, it doesn't because those are used for operating system multiplicity and virtualization where uh, it expects a kernel to be virtualized. It would be nice to take advantage of things like rings, but uh, but frankly, I don't think Molt needs to. Uh, it's built to exist entirely in the kernel as a kernel-level virtualizer and take advantage of the, the native speed of the kernel that's there. So I think that using these technologies would just make things overly complicated when it's just not needed, at least not initially. A very nice thing further about that is that, especially with the newest NetBSD 4.0, and I think 3.1 supports older versions of Zen, so that one can actually run NetBSD in a Zen instance, run all sorts of other crazy things in Zen also as guests, and uh, and have one of those NetBSD instances be Molt. So that's, that's kind of a, an interesting thing. And one of the things that pushed me to NetBSD also is that it has very good Zen support. But uh, again, to answer your question, no, we don't take advantage of any of the uh, newer processor extensions. Although some things would be nice eventually, like the um, they have the some of the newer chips have the direct DMA mapping that could be interesting to take advantage of. But that's more of a general thing for high-speed computing. That's not really specific to MULT. And on multiprocessor systems, is there a way to dedicate an instance to a particular processor? Uh, Affinity is something I'm definitely working on and looking into, but it's not in the immediate future. Uh, in fact, it would be very, very handy, but that's not in the immediate plan book. Kind of, I guess we could call them optimizations, are something that I'd like to start to think about in the next couple of months. And that includes not just optimizations, but I guess customizations toward a particular usage, like supercomputing or virtual hosting. And in fact, that would be, uh, there are lots of very, very interesting things that one could do there. For instance, uh, one of the things that I've talked about uh, has been to tailor, to add a configuration basically to each instance that defines the initial values to pump into subsystems. For example, instead of allocating entire process tables, to allocate only a very, very, very small process table initially if one thinks that there will only be a few processes, which is perfect for supercomputing that usually only has several processes, not just one descending from init. So we just basically not waste as much space. Uh, the same holds true for disabling entire subsystems on the fly, like SysV IPC, which very few things use, but still claims a lot of resources at the start of your computer or at the start of an instance in this case. So optimizations like that and Affinity, processor Infinity, are in the pipeline, but that's going to be a little bit further down the road. I've heard you mention clusters and supercomputers and also virtual hosting. Are those significantly different, or does Molt scale equally well for both situations? 
Um, I think that in the in, in the very general sense, the difference between the two is going to be largely one of duration and controllability of an instance. And this is kind of my own speculation. So there's no, I've got no hard measurements to back this up. I should, but I don't. Uh, for example, I think that if one were to be running a virtual host environment, it's going to be many, many, many instances, uh, all of which run fairly constantly. There's not going to be shutting down and starting up. And thus, the important part of that becomes on-demand allocation of resources for the instances that need it versus those who don't. But they'll all be running all the time. It's just that some have more claim to resources than others. So the push there would be toward configuration and real-time, I guess, modifications of the resources that are allowed. For example, saying that you know, one instance that is getting you know, hit up by Slashdot, for example, or Dig or whatever, uh, has significantly more resources than the other one that doesn't, and so on. Now, that seems to be very useful for that. Uh, for something like supercomputing, I guess it's a more cluster computing, grid computing, whatever. I think that there are different profiles for each, but in general what becomes more important is the ability to quickly start up instances, have them do their thing, claim as much as the processors they can, and then throw them away. So what would be useful in that is having uh, very quick startup and stop times that obviously don't waste any memory, or the ability to completely suspend uh, an instance and have it revive itself later and continue to run. Um, migration is something that also rolls up into that, both for virtual hosting and for cluster computing, where it should be possible to take an entire instance and migrate it from one physical machine to another. And again, this is also something that's a little bit down the road, but uh, technically speaking, it should be possible, so long as I have a, a bit more say in uh, what are the underlying structures of the instance? For example, the file system must also be migratable. So all of these factors come into play, but the actual runtime profile, as I mentioned, isn't significantly different between the two, but for things like uh, starting and stopping, and of course the actual resources used, there I can't say. Some cluster systems I've seen take an enormous amount of I.O., some take an enormous amount of processors. Uh, it always depends. And if someone wants to start testing Molt, where can they go to get the installer? Uh, the installer is sitting on our website waiting to be downloaded. And the website is molt.bsd.lv. And there's a link right there to do a download. One downloads the bootstrapper. The bootstrapper contains both the kernel bootstrap and the user land bootstrap code. And I've tested this about one million times. So it seems to work fairly well. Uh, however, one caveat is that it only has the kernel configuration for x86. There's really no magic in the con kernel configuration, but uh, a kind of side effect is that I want to know what people are using it for. So if you have hardware that's not a, an, a 386 machine, then a little bit of manual tweaking will have to go. But uh, the installer seems to work fine. And again, uh, the big prerequisite is that you have an FBSD 3.1 system running. Uh, very often, at least at work here, I'm not using uh, real hardware. I run it in a virtualizer. So I actually use KVM on Linux quite a lot uh, at my office to run and test Malt. So it works just fine there as well. Uh, we mentioned earlier Michael Dexter, who uh, I believe led some interviews on the BSD talk earlier, is helping me test right now also. And he is using Parallels on Mac. So it works fine either virtualized or not. shouldn't make a difference to the system. Uh, and the installer is very, very simple. It's just a shell script. There's nothing fancy that's going on there. And while I have you on the line, if you don't mind, you've also been the lead developer for the SysGel project. 
I was wondering whether you could give us a little bit of an update on that project, especially how it relates to some of the issues that were recently discovered. No, I can't. I can give you not an update at all because uh, <laughs> uh, nothing has been done in, in quite some time. And, and I think that since the days of uh, 4.1 OpenBSD, you remember back then, right? That was, that was a while ago. <laughs> Uh, we were we were all younger and stupider, and we thought that we could get away doing something neat, and it didn't work out due to the deficiencies in SysTrace. But SysTrace is still it's a usable application, but obviously we cannot recommend it in terms of security. Uh, I actually hear on the wire that there are plenty of people who use SysTrace for things like software testing, where you want to have an installation occur in a nice contained root environment that won't mess with the rest of the system, and there it works just fine. Some work needs to be done in order to bring SysJail up to speed with uh, OpenBSD 4.2, and I think 4.3 should be coming out sometime. Uh, I'm not sure when. I haven't checked the calendar. And also with the newest NetBSD 4.0, which was just released, big release too from what I see. Uh, if you have any particular pending needs for SysJail, then by all means send me an email. My email can be found on the MOLT site or on the SysJail site. Both of them work. Uh, and we can talk about it. There's, I think, actually some small patches that are sitting in my queue someplace for, for configuration of jails that make it a little bit easier to start them from, I believe it's devices or CDs, but I haven't really had much of a chance to look at them. So uh, SysJail can be updated, but again, I don't recommend it for any sort of security purposes unless you're really, really knowing what's, what's going on and, and what your system is doing. Uh, do, again, to the deficiencies of SysTrace. If anybody's really interested in SysTrace, uh, I wrote a patch. Uh, I think that would be for kernel 4.1 that tried to address that. Uh, it's really ugly, though, so <laughs> I actually can't recommend using it. And all it really does is deschedule uh, child processes that are being SysTrace so that they can't jump in uh, while a parent is waiting uh, on a system call. So it's, it's ugly and it's not good. And uh, what it comes down to is that that is a much larger problem. And in fact, the existence of Molt, uh, to a certain extent, was an offshoot of the issues we were having with SysJail in just trying to run contained environments, which is, I think, a very, very nice idea. I like the notion of containment. It's clean and it's elegant. Uh, SysJail was an attempt at that, and it failed. And Molt, we hope, is going to be a little bit more rigorous than that. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, SysJail is still usable. It's still downloadable. And if people want uh, updates and that sort of thing, then, you know, start pushing buttons. Well, are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about today? No, I don't think so. I think that having people test and use Malt is exactly what we're looking for. If you want uh, virtual hosting systems that have thousands and thousands of virtual hosts and the FreeBSD jail isn't working for you, then, uh, then give us a call. If you're looking for cluster computing environments of a similar vein, then the same applies. But uh, at this point in time, all I'm looking for is people to flush out the bugs. In terms of events, I'll be at uh, Asia BSD Con this year uh, in Tokyo, I think, at the end of March. And there's going to be a presentation here in Stockholm at the Stack and Computer Club at the beginning of March for installing, actually, and playing with Malt. So by all means, come drop by and say hello. But yeah, testing is really all I'm looking for. In the next month or two, I'll be looking for possible help in development, specifically in things like appropriating networks, which just looks like, I guess, somewhat of a tedious job, and also toward kind of interesting future things. For example, a new look at file systems would be very nice. The ability to 
migrate a file system along with an instance would be very, very handy. Uh, NetBSD 4.1, 4 4.0, I'm sorry, uh, has all sorts of nice user land file systems, I believe, or puffs is the term. Also having the old uh, XFS, which was renamed NNPFS by the Arla folks, I think is also still hanging around. So there, there's all sorts of opportunities to play, basically, and not just in terms of things like scheduling and memory management, but in kind of far-off things like, well, if we have thousands of instances on one system that are stopping and starting very, very quickly, addressing them in terms of a network becomes an issue because DNS, I don't think, is built to handle sub-second intervals for this having that address and that having that address. So all of these things will have to be addressed. Uh, other things like starting instances entirely using NFS, having NFS root file systems, for an instance, would be very, very handy. And of course, at that point in time, the issue of MMAP needs to be discussed. Uh, there's basically lots and lots of areas of research, not just academically, but very, very practically. So I fully invite people if they you know, want to work on their master's theses <laughs> or uh, just want to have an interesting usable system to drop me a line and let me know. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. No, thank you, Will. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 140.